welcome to the next and newest episode of the Gun Dog Notebook Podcast. This is your host, Darrell Smith, and this is my audio journal about the stories, legacies, and bird dogs from individuals who have made significant contributions to the upland, waterfowl, and wing shooting community. I'd like to thank my sponsor, The Pride Dog Food, for supporting this endeavor, as well as Robin Watson of Tibia Gun Dogs for contributing information on British field trial and British retriever training techniques. Stay tuned, you guys. This is the next episode of The Gun Dog Notebook. another really 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 fun episode of the gun dog notebook podcast um we are actually back on the line again with uh robin watson of tibia gun dogs that's my buddy i'm claiming him as a mentor um a good friend everything that, that positive you can say about anybody that's who it is so um with this dave what's up tire hoss what's up we got two listeners we got two uh listeners already uh robin that's what's up so there we go here we go let's get to rocking and rolling all right so guys this time instead of it being just a trainer uh just a a a trainer segment on how to we're going to get back to the puppy segment and that's definitely going to be something we're going to grow with um as far as this podcast but what i want to do is actually just you know open up and ask Robin some personal questions that I have, things that are dog trainer related, things that are not necessarily so trainer specific, but things in the dog world that I want to ask. And Robin is definitely a good resource um, and has been since he's come on. So Robin, first of all, man, uh, what's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Um, man, it's a lot of people going coming on. That's what's up. So what I want to do, I saw you, um, Looking at, I was watching your Instagram profile on, t- on Tibia Gun Dogs, and the most recent video you put of uh, of the ten month old pup. Um, how did what? Why were you f- so focused on getting that dog not to switch on bumpers? Now, I ask that because Ruger switches a lot of the times. That's been a thing for him recently. And does that water work help it help the dog not to switch? Uh, when he's on land. Okay, well, yeah. Well, the reason I do it, I mean, say you shoot two or three birds or you're out your buddy and you shoot five or six birds, or even if you are a big, big shoot in the UK or a big power shoot here. So we all mark our own birds, hopefully, or get a rough idea. And the reason I don't want my dog switching, I want to know what birds I've picked up. So every day when I come for a head count, I want to know where they are. Now, when you get a dog that switches a lot, sometimes it'll run to a bit of woodland or a bit of grass, drop it, go on to the next one, and keep keep messing around. So you don't know what bird you're looking for. So that's the reason I don't I don't want my dog switching. Now, you know, just not on water but I do it on water as well I do it on land first of all I do it I throw one behind me or one just to the side and throw one out in front now what I always try to do is pick the first one I've thrown try to now on the water it doesn't really matter if they're really close together as long as they're honed in on one I let them go and get that one um but in field trials or something, you know, a bit different. If you've got a wounded bird, it would nice be nice eventually to put the whistleworth into that young dog where you can handle her off one. Um, but if they're too close together, you know, for what I call close together, like, like they were on the Instagram one today, mm-hmm. I don't worry which one they pick as long as they don't switch. Okay. So, first of all, you've got to have, your recall's got to be really strong in this dog. So it's going to try and switch. But if you've got your recall trained well, 
it's going to come back to you. First of all, you start your dog with them being a lot wider apart than they were there. And you still sometimes get accidents. What do you do about it? Where you throw it back in and you get them to get, get the one you want them to get all over again. It, you do get accidents. But if it keeps happening, what I do is I tie a piece of string on the bumper or the dummy I don't want them to have. Hmm. Okay, so I throw, and it's got a piece of string on it now. So the moment that dog goes for the wrong dummy, it's generally the last one you threw if you want the first one, you can put it in on a piece of string and the dog don't get it. Really? So just tie a piece of string. What 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 does the string do for the, the dummy? Why does the dog not like it? Well, you've got hold of the string. Oh, okay. This is no okay, I get what you're saying. You're saying um tie it and hold. Rope. Yeah. Gotcha. Or, or you can do it, you know, let's be honest, you can do you could do a fishing rod if you want and wind it in quick. Right. Just anything stop the dog getting it. Right. Um but if you can get it right on generally on the land, that sort of thing where you gradually get them closer together, you know, and mm. you've got a dog, you throw one dummy out, you throw the second one out. As long as it goes and picks one up, you're fine. And you you can start it off 10, 12 foot away if you want, those two. That's what I would do. So you're in earshot of the dog or be able to get to the dummy and stop it doing it. Mm-hmm. But what you're building up to do, which is the the best thing to do if you throw a pheasant out as a second retrieve and throw a bumper out if you can get that dog to leave the pheasant alone to get the bumper is even better really and you can do it you can do it but it's got to be voice control you're going to have an accident on the way probably Mm -hmm. you just go hey what are you doing no or whatever you use to tell your dog off but start it off short and build the distance up Hmm. Okay. I mean, that rose, I'll be honest with you, that rose, um, her owner came to look at it, at her, mm-hmm. and I did it, and the first couple of times that little demo, she went and got the wrong one. And right. she did. I'm not going to lie. Right. But what do you do about it? Do you put the dog in the kennel, or, or do you carry on and put it right? Get I'm it. wanting to put it right. Exactly. And, and that's doing it right without all the extra hooping and hollering and... It you know it doesn't take all of that too. No, I mean, like I said, it depends on what you you need to stop your dog. If you've been shouting at your dog for, to stop it doing things, and suddenly you have to shout. But if you right. use the whistle as recall and get the recall as strong as you can, right. the recall will help that. Right, I'm here for it. Yeah, and that well, it makes has to help. Well, it it does. Now, what was crucial about that is is you saying tie that string to it because I think before I thought you were saying just tie a string to it and now you're saying tie a string and make sure you it's long enough for you to throw it and hold it um, yeah. yeah that that makes a lot more sense and so when that dog picks it up just kind of you know not snatch it away but take it away enough for it to kind of get the I'd point pull it, yes, sir, I would pull it right away right. Now, what you want to do to build up to it you want to keep the retrieve you want to get closer closer to you than the ones you could switch on to start off with gotcha just used to homing in and if you get used to picking the first retrieve every time the dog will home in on it on memory gotcha and that's it that's just repetition and it's just gonna do it repetition and it's you know sometimes you have a bad day yeah you know and, and if you're having a bad day Throw one in there to start off with to end it. You right. know, do anything. Throw it, throw it by a decoy. Right. As a distraction, because she ain't going to get a plastic decoy in her mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's not going to do that. So when we're talking about having a, 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 a hard day out and training and stuff, and we all do it, um, minds have been fewer and far between but I think that kind of comes with the dog getting older Ruger just hit too but one thing that I used to do to kind of round off some training things was honestly I used to use food but I started to wean him off of it as he got older do you think do you think that we as trainers emphasize um, that type of positive reinforcement too much like food and if so how do you fix that my reward, my ultimate reward for that dog 
is the retrieve. Mm-hmm. I get the reward. Um, if I've got a dog that isn't coming back so well, then you know it's, it's not returning with a with the dummy it's now, or it's not returning very very well at all. And I would take the retrieve completely out of it and work on recall. So then I would use a little a treat on you know, a treat or good lad, good lad, whatever you want to do, just to help it keep coming back to you. Right. But I, I, I certainly don't use treats with retrieve reward. Right. Because this is my own theory, as I don't believe, well, I can't do it anyway. You can't eat something and hold it in your mouth at the same time. It's impossible. <laughs> It's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, try eating a hot dog and drinking a beer and see, you know, I think you can do that probably, but it's hard work. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I was always told not to talk with a mouthful. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, I think the dog learns it's going to get its treat, spits the retreat. I kind of dog will, and most of them are pretty tight, these gun dogs. So it realizes you're going to get a treat, it spits the food, the, the bumper or your retrieve or whatever it is you're getting the retrieve out on the floor for its treat. Now the real clever ones, if you're not careful, will run up to the retrieve, touch it with their nose, come back to the treat and leave the retrieve out there. Okay. And I I don't do it. I mean, I will do it for pet dogs, like I said. Yeah. If I'm just working on recall and the dog's clearing off, then, you know, I will use it. Right. But if I'm doing recall and I'm getting getting a real bad recall situation with a the gun dog, it won't get a retrieve unless it's coming back. I know it what until it comes back to me. So then I'll go back to the trainer lanes or whatever where I can cut it off to make it come back to me. Right. Shorten the distance. Right. Okay. I'm shorten the distance is shorten the shorten the destruction. Right. And that between you and the dog. Well, and see, that's been my biggest thing. You know, I preach all the time. Uh, you know, if the dog won't do it five feet away from you, the dog won't do it 500 feet away from you. I say that all the time, all the time, all the time. There's no chance of that. Right. It's not going to happen. I've it. Mm-mm. There's, there's nothing to incentivize the dog, you know. And so I just, I, I also think it takes a good bit of just sitting down and watching your dog and just observing, you know, because not all dogs are food motivated either. That's the thing. You know, you no, you know. You stole what I, you saw what I did with that puppy, mm-hmm. that real young puppy with a sock, mm-hmm. sock dummy for a retrieve. That was three or four foot away. I threw it for two or three times. It brought it back to me and put it in my hand. Yeah. So, okay, I went down on one knee and everything like that and bust it. So you just got to make that grow. You just grow with that so it becomes 10 foot. But you don't want to do it every day with a, pup, a, a young puppy. They're seven weeks, eight weeks old now. Right. You say maybe and a couple of times a week. Already coming to hand. Mm-hmm. And so maybe even, especially with a young pup, what you say, do something like that maybe three or four times a week out of the seven-day week? That's it. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. Or if you want to do it every day, do a couple. Yeah. But I... I you know, by having quite a few dogs to train, I can't do it every day with the puppies, and I and I never have anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think it just keeps their interest up, right? Rather than get bored and bored with the, the with the retrieve and bored. And we've got to remember as well they're growing at this time, right? So you know they can have aches and pains growing and stuff like that, and we're trying to make them train, you know, train them for ten minutes or fifteen minutes at a time and we don't know what aches and pains they've got they're losing their teeth they're, you know all sorts of things are going on with these puppies mm-hmm. and they're, they're, but, they're still trying to worry but work on that and like I said the biggest mistake that anybody can do I mean that most the hardest thing to ever put right once that puppy loses the, the desire to retrieve then we've got a whole what am I going to do now right do I have to give it a bird? Do I have to give it a wing? Do I do this? What do I do? Now, if you do it three times a week, it's not too much. You always want to put your dog away while another retrieve, not being fed up. 
yeah. with too many of them. Well, and see, and you got to keep it. Yeah, it's kind of, it's almost like a drug for the dog. Like, you kind of got to. Yeah, they yeah. want another one. Right. Right. Um, Robin, sidebar. So we got a couple of listeners on the line um, that are tuning into the live stream. Tire Hoss, uh, actually, I, I don't know his first name, but he actually uh, has one of your oh, dogs. Huh? Yeah, it's here now. Yeah. It's a fantastic spring Spaniel. Oh, man. Lucy? Yeah. Yeah. The other one, Lucy. And it is just fantastic is wearing my trainers out really <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to Bill Rodney for a new pair of Nike's talent because it, I tell you that dog that dog needs a fire extinguisher behind it really it's, you know, it's that quick and it knows and dragonflies and butterflies I'm going any chance I mean it's just a fantastic spaniel nice absolutely fantastic hey and uh, it'd be a shame for her to go right that Rodney so there's a guy that said, tell that Rodney I'll give him as much as he wants for that dog. He's already in love with it. <laughs> well, uh, Mr. Rodney, you uh, <laughs> you got an offer on the table. Yeah, yeah, as much, as much quail shooting as he'd like. Right. Uh-oh. No, it, it's, a, it's a very, very nice dog. Right. Well, I uh, I'm here for it. So let's let's talk some about that though. Uh, English Springer Spaniels and Retrievers. So uh, let's just say in a in a hypothetical world, and these are some of the weird, quirky things I think about. How would you hunt them together? Like in an upland hunt, let's say I want to go chase quail or pheasant, and I only have a spring. Huh? You got your lap or a heel. Okay. Lap or a heel. And your spaniel flushing. I think. A lot, we don't, okay, we, there's one or two people that flush and take them through the beetle line in, in England, but most of the dogs that go through the flushing line and work really well, most of them over there are some sort of spaniel. And the Labradors are in the picking up side of things. Really? Some, some will run them around, but I would say 90% of the people, you call them pushers here, we call them beaters, mm -hmm. that are bringing the game towards you and flushing. 90% of them are Spaniels. Huh. Now, over here, I think, you know, people, Labradors, mm -hmm. they, a Labrador marks better, fixes its game better when it's by your side. Hmm. Um, but your, your spaniel will do all of that but it, it flushes it watches the bird away it will you know you could quite easily do it all of it with just a spaniel really you could quite easily hmm. but does your labrador flush as well as a as a spaniel and there's no way that's no way, because a, a Labrador, you know, it's got a retriever in front of his name. Right. But tell you, it gives you a little clue about what right. it's best to do it. Right. Well, and I, uh, I would I would also think that Springer just biologically can get, you know, into that uh, bush a little bit better. Yeah, it, it does, but it's just been bred by people that started breeding them. I don't know where the Springer originated from. I haven't got a clue. Right. But it's been adapted all through the generations to be a dog that flushes. Right. And your Labrador, like I said, my my worry is when I send a Labrador to a client that we train for or whoever, I say, look, your, your Labrador does better by the heel. You flush the quail, but if you go on some of these bag, bag hunts and you get the quail overspun, you know, dizzied, mm -hmm. and and your Labrador goes in to flush, and so a shot's fired. Dog, the, the Labrador hasn't seen anything go, but all of a sudden it comes out of there with a with a bird in its mouth. But you haven't sent it, so already you're teaching that dog to break because it's picked without a sh with a shot with a shot you haven't sent in it's picked right so it's broke really right because you haven't asked it to pick up yet 
you obviously to go in and hunt them. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it's going to do. Uh, We're going to do exactly. But, but a spaniel would do the same. But generally, a spaniel, when you put a spaniel in a bush, then birds are getting up. Because that's all it wants. It, it wants to push birds up. It doesn't actually want to grab it. Oh, it will grab them. Right, it, it will, but it's... it's a spaniel in there. The bushes are bashing around that much. Right. You know, and it's got its nose to the ground, and it's hitting the ground, you know. We've tried, you know, I've seen it happen. I've seen it firsthand. You know, you get a dog come out of the bush with one in its mouth, and you see it. I mean, some people just try and reinvent the wheel. A spaniel's for flushing, a Labrador's for retrieving. Is it a title? in the title of, the, of, the, of its name and some people do act a bit but they know better right but, but your spaniels are by far and your birds fly better when a spaniel's up the backside. really oh they're up they get up because they know either, if that's a cockle or a springer in there they're getting up because they're going to get nailed it's like having a predator behind them wow that I I would not have thought that little specific detail would make a bird get up, you know, better, fly a little bit stronger. I'll, so you, I'll, I'll do a video of it another day. I've got quail here. I'll do a video of it. All right, let's do it. And I'll put them down and I'll, and I'll, show, and I'll show it. But it, it makes a lot of difference. Wow. Okay. But they're still, they're still going to be a good duck dog. And they're still going to be a good, you know, they call them... Um, the all-rounder and even the springer and the cock they have the all you know they're quite happy sit on the peg and everything but your Labradors you know you want to get the distance in your retrieves and stuff like that it's your Labradors right right so one thing that I've kind of gotten into um, Robin and we got probably about 10 more minutes left but something that I always think about because of just how I came into hunting. I have an American Labrador Retriever and I'm more interested in British field trial methods. Honestly, I think if you haven't, if you can't tell, like I'm totally sold on it. So is it is it possible and maybe in 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 your mind is it possible to cross train a dog i think that's what i'm doing i would like my dog to be able to test in both scenarios but do you think it's actually possible to cross train a dog on a british and american method for i'm sorry no for a british and american field trial i think I send dogs across here and they have become hunt champions before, hunt test champions. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's a lot of work to be done. I mean, I think your British lab, when you bring them across and they're highly tuned and everything like that to, to whistle and, and mark and everything like that, the thing our dogs would get problem with, I'd say our the Brit dogs would get trouble with, is going past that crate of birds and stuff like that. We don't we don't get them to go by birds and stuff like that. We you know, if they flush a bird, but in a crate and then it's sat in the crate waiting to be thrown out to be shot, I think we'd do it, but you'd have to adapt your training mm -hmm. and I think your train I don't think and this is me being harsh on it. I don't think the actual hunters are training for hunting. They're not. I don't think it is training for hunting. I really don't. I know, I, I'm saying, you know, you, you're teaching a dog to go out on a tree plus water and stuff like that, right. or whatever you're doing. I don't think there's much merit in the hunters going back to the actual hunting that me and you would do. Right. And I, I agree so I, with that. Trust me, I agree. I think there is a place... Think, don't get me wrong, I think you can go and compete. Right. And you'd probably fail and, and stuff like that, but I don't think to go and train specifically probably for a hunt test, and I'm not getting it, you know, like I said, I'm not getting these guys. They're doing some good stuff. Right. But I don't think... The hunt test training, we would we wouldn't train for a test like that in the UK. Right, you would train your dog to hunt and expect it to perform according to the field trial standards. We like to get it. All every gun dog that's trained in the UK 
is trained, first of all, as a field trial dog, is trained as a hunting dog to start off with. Yeah. A general shooting dog. We may train it to go boys, we train it to go left, right, and all that. But so all of our start out as being trained. So if they if they fail, they can quite easily go to a shooting man. Quite happily. Right. They're not quite what we want. Or even if they make the grade, we go on and, and win with one, or it doesn't make. But once they become fully trained, they could, you know, there's, there's no difference in training for the for the shooting field versus the field trials. Right. The only difference is we've got an extra bit of polish on with whistle work and handling and seeing other dogs work. You know, would, that's the difference. Yeah. But most most of the dogs over there me uh, included definitely I, I would train this dog to be a gun dog first and then as it grows it grows and grows and grows I said hey you've got trial potential you have I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to trialing you and that's how you do it All Right. alright okay I uh I like that like I said my my biggest thing about that Robin is I'm going into this it doesn't matter what it is that I, I do a lot of reading and blah 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 my first priority is to hunt. That is my first priority. I love it. That's what my dog is here for. My dogs weren't made to be in tests. Now, what I've also noticed was my dog conducts himself totally different in a hunt test scenario than he does in the field. You see what I'm saying? I okay. if, if yeah. that makes sense. So why do you think that happens? Because I've heard that before and I've seen my dog do it. And again, he passed the test easily, but he didn't. It, it almost seemed like he was just doing it just to do it. We we over there, we call it a dog. It gets trial wise mm-hmm. or, you know, he just does it. It's not got... But the, like I said, our field trials are there to keep the dogs up on edge. You don't do it. They, you don't have to encourage them to do it. They do it. Right. You know, if anything, you've got to have the range to pull them back. Um, but, you know, I can see that. I mean, it's like our working test. That is on bumpers and things. Mm-hmm. If you, I mean, generally once my dogs have been through the shooting field, for a season they're not really interested in going on what they call the working test because they've seen that much game right that the, the canvas dummy now becomes quite boring hmm. so you know you can still keep the training up with them and stuff like that but one or two just become quite boring bored with it and it so you've got to do different things take them rabbit shooting in the close season pigeon shooting whatever you do but or use cold game out, out of the freezer. You take it out of the freezer and throw it out and use it. Mm-hmm. But once a dog gets to a certain age, you know, generally they've had enough dummies right. in their life and they want want cold or, or shot fired element just to bring the excitement up. But the hunt test, like I said, if he, if he switches off there and it's birds being shot, he shouldn't really switch off at that point around. I don't know why he is right. at the moment. Like I said, I'll have a look when he come down, but um, if there's birds about, they should be, you know, flat out ready to go. Right. No, and I mean, he, what's interesting is he, like I said, he performed the test and he passed. I mean, that wasn't an issue. Yeah. Um, it's just his energy level kind of was just like, meh, I'm going to do this just because I can. And then it was interesting the next day, you know, I took him out and we were doing pin birds and stuff like that. And he was, I mean, fired up and ready to go. Mm-hmm. It may be the amount of people and the amount of other dogs about around this cause that. Yeah. You know, different things. You know, maybe one that's even in heat about around the place, you know? Right. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. You don't know. Well, I, uh, I mean, it was definitely interesting. And... You know, that's it. And, like, with my dog, man, and, I, and of course, you'll see him soon um, when Ash and I come up there. And I, I'll send you more videos and things like that in between time. But I honestly am very proud of where he's at. Like, you know, for my standards, and I think I have some fairly yeah. high standards, I'm pretty damn impressed with him. 
you know, so it's just, yeah, like, I mean, it's those little things that, um, you know, that you have to kind of take into account, though, like, this is my first gun dog, and I'm, I've used him for a lot of things, and a lot of the things that I've done, I would not, I'm definitely not going to do to my next lab, I mean, I'm just not going to, but... You know, I I, I want to know these questions, and, and these were kind of some of the things that were on my head because. Right, exactly. You're doing well. Yeah. It. I mean, it's cool. It's just it's just little things, you know. Well, we're, we're all every night. I mean, it's all different different dogs and different dogs, mm-hmm. you know. And you just gotta train them. Right. Just, you know, train what needs training. Yeah, you know, it all does start. Right. With that sort of thing, and it's. You train the dog in front of you. It's, we can we all read a book and we take bits out of a book, or we all read, watch different bits and pieces, and, and you know you take bits away for your next dog. You think, oh, I'll do that differently next time. Right. And, and see if it works, you know. Right. I mean, and just the amount of dogs I get in to be trained and get all the different standards and different slight quirks. And they, you know, there's never been a perfect dog made yet. Right. Never. Right. And there ain't been um, no perfect people made either, so. <laughs> no. And, it, and I think with that, you know, you just train what's in front of you and just look at it and think, and that's what, what you do a lot with this puppy toy. You look at the things where, you know, hey, that, that little thing over there, I just, just heard a dish bang on the ground. I didn't like it. Or, you know, something just went in that bush and it's made some running through the bush and it jumped away from the bush. Right. You know, and that sort of thing. You, that's what you use your puppy time for. Right. I don't call it head start or anything like that, but I definitely use that time to prep it, you know, to prep what I can learn about the dog in that, that time. Right. Right. That, that first year is crucial, man. It is. Well, yeah. It, Robin, that is our time, man. We are, uh, you know, at the end of our, our segment. And I just personally appreciate you answering my questions. And of course, I have 50 million well, more. Um, so for my listeners, guys, Robin and I will be back in two weeks. Um, that's what we had uh, said that we were going to do. So we'll be back in about two weeks. And if y'all want to send us more questions, I appreciate everybody that signed on and was looking. And uh, Robin, a lot of those guys are, are some of your people, so that's definitely a good sign. <laughs> yeah, no, but, yeah, no, you know when we're doing this, it wouldn't hurt just to have a little glass of bourbon either, would it? Yeah. Right. You know? um, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, or Jack Daniels or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally drinking a beer right now, so it's fine. <laughs> you know. But, uh, anything like that, you know. But, uh, no, I enjoy it. You know, anything we can do to help, mm-hmm. people, anyone wants to send some questions in, they're welcome, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Um, yep. I thoroughly enjoy doing it. Cool. And, you know, my last thing, the pride dog food, go get it. <laughs> That's all I need well, to say. I was going to say, Darrell, I mean, later on in, uh, you know, in the next year or so, I was... I'll try and put on some type of British gun dog event over here. Shoot, yes. Where people can try and do it, you know, and, and, and do a walk up and a bit of a driven shoot, whether we've got used tower birds and Mm-hmm. I'm here for it. You know, I'll be there right along with you to help you out with it and, and, and help yeah. you put it together. So let's do it, man. Um, I think that'll be a good experience for folks. And I, th- I think people will then finally drink the British Kool-Aid. I think it'd be good fun. I mean, it'd be good and everyone enjoy it. And I think you'll see how much of a different dog you get from doing this sort of field car system. Mm-hmm. And, and people look and they think, oh, you're being tough on the dog, you've eliminated it from whining, or you've eliminated it from our mouth, or, you know, some some cars in the UK, you don't get a first place in right. novice trials and an open trials. Sometimes if a dog stand is not good enough, they don't give a first. Right. It's just period. Um, yeah. And it's, and that, like I said, it was definitely, the difference is, and I, I can't emphasize it is death, it is all part of the shooting day there. There's yeah. not a, there's not 
it's not put out. No birds are put out in the morning. No birds are put out in the afternoon. These birds have been out, and they and they know what they're up to. They know they're being chased around. Mm. And you may get a rabbit. You may get a hair shot. You might get a snipe. You might get a woodcock. That's cool. You know. Yeah. And you've got to you've got to prep your dog for that situation. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And that's I mean that right there is is. For Labradors, you know, a versatile dog. So, guys, I mean, you you, you heard it firsthand, and we gonna keep doing this, Robin. Um, next week we'll get back to the uh, the puppy training, and you know, just keep putting out ideas. I hope you guys are enjoying it. Um, we can cut it down to about thirty minutes, you know, just to keep it cool. But um, yeah, man. So that is the end of the Gun Dog Notebook podcast, uh, the live stream. Robin, if you uh, if you have anything left, feel free to to let us on out. And if not, I can close it on up. No, I just say good night, everyone. All right. Get a beer. Yeah, hey, I'm 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 one beer ahead of you. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay, guys, so that was the uh, end of the last live stream that I did. I'm starting to do those on Instagram, and I think it's pretty cool. It was Robin's idea, and uh, we just decided to kind of collaborate on that. So thanks again, Robin, for, you know, being a part of that. And, I mean, he's here every two weeks, like we said before. And uh, I'm starting to – I'm hoping you guys are actually enjoying that. So – on the back side of that, though, guys, I wanted to kind of just hop back on my own podcast, if that makes sense. I haven't really spent a lot of time actually, you know, on the Gun Dog Notebook podcast, just, you know, solo a little bit. So, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to put some things out there. And again, just to show you guys or, or what's in my own personal gun dog notebook, uh, a buddy of mine, Wes Hansen, who's on the who was on the podcast not long ago, um, he and Zach, who also helps uh, Wes out on the uh, Release Hunting podcast, both of them are on there. You know, we were talking about the actual gun dog notebook. Like, you know, they started kind of doing it too having a, a, a little journal and just kind of taking note and observation. So we were talking about that and uh, I just thought it would be important to kind of share my thoughts and things like that, that are actually in my, my personal notebook. Um, and so some training thoughts, since this is that type of episode, you know, first and foremost, I wanted to thank Mike Carr for delivering six months of dog food. I mean, yo, when I tell you that man educated me so, so well on, you know, the, the ins and outs of the pride, you know, I wouldn't just be feeding my dog this for no reason. And, you know, yes, we're now sponsored by him, but it's for a good cause. It's, it's, it really has made a significant uh, impact. And I got a chance to sit down with him and just uh, chat a bit. So he'll be on pretty soon. But, yeah, man, he dropped me six months' worth of dog food off and, you know, flew down to, uh, you know, flew overseas. So, there's a couple other things that I'm trying to do with the Gun Dog Notebook, if you guys haven't noticed. And it's also, you know, just kind of releasing a couple of tees here and there. And a lot of those t-shirt ideas come from personal experiences. It's not just me trying to sell a product. I really want to kind of illustrate and highlight that part of my own personal uh, talent. And, you know, I'm an artist, as as many of you already know. So I just kind of want to encourage you guys to go take a look at those T-shirts on Amazon. Um, I'm going to be releasing a lot more. And like I said, I want, like, game scenes and all kinds of stuff like that. In addition to the logo, T, I thought it was pretty cool. Um, also, 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 also... Um, speaking of the tees, we're doing, I'm doing a, uh, a dub opener t-shirt giveaway guys. It's a uh, photo contest. Send it to me on Instagram or Facebook. Um, you know, so what I'm asking you guys to do is submit one of your best, uh, 
dove opener photos that you think from this season, from this upcoming season, um, that you just really think identifies with you, your, you know, who you are as a wing shooter. And uh, what I'm going to do is give away one of my uh, Covey Flush logo tees and whatever the listener chooses, whatever winner I decide, you just let me know. I'll contact you. And, uh, you know, we'll go from there. And I think it'll be kind of cool. Like, I've gotten a couple of, you know, nice little submissions. It's it's pretty dope. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, also, if you're going to do it, make sure you follow the Instagram and Facebook accounts. Um, tag two of your friends in the comments as well. And make sure you tag or hashtag the Gundog Notebook in your photo. That way I kind of know, you know, where you know where where the photos at and how to find it and things like that so that's kind of a big deal for me man i'm 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 having a lot of fun with this uh with this podcast and i want to start giving back to you guys so just think about that uh that t-shirt contest and uh we're going to actually identify and announce the winner of said contest on september 9th uh, and I'm going to announce it on social media. I'm also going to put it on the podcast. So, you know, just be kind of looking out for that, and I'll reach out to you once whoever wins. I'm also going to try my hardest to uh, get me a dove shoot photo as well. Okay, it's the season coming up, and uh, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. We've been talking about this for a while. It feels like. It feels like we've been waiting for a good long time, you know, on the season. So, since we're talking about the season, what I'm trying to do, man, my first hunt is obviously going to be a dove hunt. I'm trying to figure out a spot still uh, down here in Georgia. I'm not sure if I want to go preserve or do I want to go WMA. Not quite sure. I got a couple of options depending on when exactly I go. I'm trying to go September 2nd if I can. I just need to find somewhere that's open. And if I can't go on the 2nd, I'm trying to go on like the 8th or the 9th. So one of those days, that's that's really what I'm looking for. Um, but I'm, I've, I've already kind of seen a couple of good spots that I got my eyes on. So it's just about, it's just a matter of time before I lock it on in. And uh, I'm going to be opening it up with this good brand new, uh, Beretta 686 Silver Pigeon 1 shotgun. It's a 30-inch barrel that I got, and uh, it comes. It, it's in 20-gauge. I'm loving that gun. When I tell you I'm absolutely loving it, I mean, anything that's coming over my head, man, like directly over my head, I was wearing it out on the ski range. You know, and just the way that gun feels. And so that's another thing. I was watching... Uh, the gentleman on uh, the gun shop on YouTube, and they made some very, very, very valid points, you know, as far as even having a shotgun and your particular style and things like that. Like, we all like different types of guns and things like that, and I'm a shotgun man myself. I That's pretty much what I'm always interested in doing because that's – that's what I hunt birds with, you know. And so those those guys on uh, the gun shop made a good point to uh, consider the practical shootability of your gun. I think that's important, man. Like the community that we're in is is great that you know we have these nice, fine, pretty guns, and you got your London best and this and that. And I'm trust me, I'm here for it. I'm I'm all I'm. I'm all the way there for it. I'm a double gun fanatic myself. Like I said, that's my thing. Only other gun I really want that's not a double gun is an A5. Maybe even a Wingmaster. But that's about it. Um, But the reason that I shoot the guns that I do and the reason that I'm interested in the guns that I'm interested in is because when I consider a practical shootability of my particular gun and or, or guns plural you know i uh, and by guns i mean my silver pigeon and my tristar you know i got a 12 gauge and a 20 gauge and honestly i'm i'm going to say i'm 
a bit of a, a, a label whore when it comes to certain things. And this Beretta, I mean, I'm definitely understanding why that gun not only costs what it does, but why Beretta shotguns carry the name and why I've been so adamant about getting one. That was a personal goal of mine. But also, I got that 20 gauge and 30 in, you know, with a 30 inch barrel because I wanted something that was a little bit lighter than my 12 gauge. And I needed something that I'm really going to sit down and I'm going to shoot 30, 40 years from now. You know, I'm looking forward to my grandkids telling me like, yo, granddaddy, I I, want to shoot your silver pigeon. You know, I'm looking for moments like that. So I needed something that I, I just thought would be sustainable to shoot. I thought a 20 gauge was very sustainable. Um, also a 30 inch barrel. I mean, I was using 28s before and that was cool, but this 30 inch feels a lot better for what it is that I'm doing. I'm planning on shooting. I'm not planning on, I do a lot of, uh, pheasant shooting tower shoots. I'm also very much so interested in going to the UK one day and doing some of their grouse and, and driven shoots and, and, you know, walk up shoots and stuff like that. And I just felt like that silver pigeon the one that i got fit my needs the most you know and also again i think it's realistic to say we all have tastes you know i i like you know my particular shooting style and the clothing and things like that that i wear i mean i kind of get into things like that you know admittedly i like to look good when i hunt but i also want it to be practical also you know, I'm not a firm believer that you have to wear camo all the time. I'm not really a big camo junkie. But when it comes to my gun, I not only want style, but I want something that's timeless and something that I'm going to be able to shoot way later. I doubt that I'm going to be able to sh- continue shooting my 12 gauge way later into my old age. I'll have it, of course, because I love it to death. It's a good gun. That TriStar, hey, look, the price has nothing to do with the quality of that gun. Shoots a hell of a lot harder than my my Silver Pigeon, but it's also a different gauge. There's a lot of differences there. But my Silver Pigeon is my pride and joy, and it answers to my practical shootability concerns. You know, um, so that's just kind of something I was thinking about, you know, when I got got that new uh, firearm. And... I, I got a couple of people that I'm actually really trying to be not a couple, a few people, matter of fact, um, that I'm trying to beeline it and get get some hunts in with, um, you know, and you guys will hear about that coming up soon. And also, you know, I'm really trying to take, you know, my mentorship with Robin. Um, I'm really trying to take that to the next level. So you know, really getting out there and watching him work dogs and us go shoot birds together. Like that's, that is how I'm, I'm crafting my journey and my experience. Um, you know, I also want to shoot more wild birds, man. I'm, I'm not really trying to use a lot of pin birds, you know, I mean, they're cool. Pin birds are great. And I'm not saying I will not use them during the season, but realistically, like I'm trying to put my dog on as many, you know, natural situations as possible. Um, and just kind of getting them, getting my dog now to kind of smarten up on the birds, you know, have them learn where they really live and what types of cover. Um, and also really crafting Ruger to be a gun dog. Like, a, you know, at this point, I'm not going to say he's just perfect, but I think Ruger's pretty good. I mean, I, I'm I'm proud to say at this point in my journey, as far as the gun dog notebook, um, my my personal dog, my dog, despite whatever test and whatever hiccups may come along the way, he's he he suits my personal fancy as a hunter. He does what I need him to do. His recall is great. He listens. You know, he's he's, he's two now, and so I think it's just smart to to kind of allow my own dog to, to kind of wisen up around the birds. And I also want to finish him out in the, 
his uh you know hunt test uh stats i think it'll be smart to go ahead and get him through his uh his started you know season he went through the first one with no problems and i honestly didn't put too much emphasis into testing him again much after that because i kind of wanted to polish him up but i think we're good now i'm gonna go ahead and finish him out may even send him through season who knows you know we'll get there when we get there but i mean it's a fun little journey for me you know, testing your dog and see what it is. I'm not really here for all the accolades and all of that stuff. I just want to have a good time running my dog and, and really test the limits of his, you know, talent and potential and develop him as a teammate, you know. I also want to help Robin on, you know, some endeavors and, and trying to get this whole British uh British style shooting and you know, gun dogs and all of that stuff. Like I'm a big advocate for it. If you guys can't tell. And, uh, though I can speak to a lot of other disciplines and, and speak to a lot of different other trainers and, and, and handlers and hunters and things like that about different types of dogs. You know, I've right now kind of found myself in my own journey again, you know, really pushing this British thing because quite frankly, I feel like that's how you, how you, you know, really work a dog. It's pretty much no nonsense, but it's it's not a whole lot of extra foolishness. It's a comfortable, enjoyable hunt. You know, that's just what I've kind of identified that I'm looking for. And I think you guys, you know, might even want to do the same. Like, look, if we've been in the game at this point in time and, and, and hunting and doing everything we can do, to learn and to experience and all of that stuff. Like let's start figuring out what type of hunters we want to be. And and by that, I mean, you know, what are you giving back? You know, what, what are you contributing to the community? You know, what are you contributing to your dog? What's in it for your dog? What's the look, what's the feel, you know, how are, how are we going to push this thing forward is what I'm saying. And I think a lot of that, if people own up to their own individual preferences, and I have a hard time doing it myself because there's so many cool things, there's so many great dog breeds and things like that out in this community. But I think we kind of narrow down like, all right, what type of hunters are we really trying to be? And what are we trying to give back? Because it doesn't make no sense to get out in the woods and, and take away from nature, but then don't give nothing back. And I, that I can't get down with. So, you know, that's 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 pretty much what I have on my list as far as goals, though, guys. I mean, this this is going to be a good season. I really think it is. And so, you know, if y'all want to also hit me up and and uh, let me know what some of y'all's goals are, you know, feel free to. Uh, email me, DM me or whatever. My email is, of course, the gundog notebook at gmail.com. Or, you know, if you want to DM me or, you know, any ideas, guys, I'm here for a chat. I mean, most people that have reached out to me at this point in time, you know, pretty much know I'll sit and talk dogs and all kinds of stuff like that all day. And I just want to know how your hunting season's going. So, you know, feel free to reach out, guys. The interaction on social media has been really, really, really dope. So, that's that's cool man like i I appreciate y'all supporting y'all logging into my live streams and uh uh my my little training things and watching ruger you know get on the on the stream that's kind of cool man um so i appreciate it and guys go check out the pride dog food i think i might have said like three or four times and i don't mean to over advertise but like yo it's it's good man uh you know, reach out to me if you want to find that. I can help you uh, get contact with uh, someone in your area. And, uh, you know, the food will speak for itself. It definitely did with my dog. And, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just impressed with the results. His coat, his, his coat was a lot softer, you know, a lot more vibrant. His running gait is beautiful. My, my stepfather, not stepfather, Jesus Christ, I don't have a stepfather. Um, my father-in-law, sorry guys, um, he noticed that Ruger was running around or whatever in the yard. We were just playing and 
his, he, he was like his gate was just open and real wide and he looked like he was pulling. You know, he looked like he was pulling with his, uh, you know, front legs like a like an athlete, like a track athlete. His legs look real good and muscular and things like that. So I say all that to say, man, like I'm, I'm just really impressed with the results I got from that food. Um, also, and I'm going to kind of wrap it on up, guys, because I can talk all day about the things that I think about in terms of dogs, but I got this from church recently, This just this thought, right? And what it was, uh, you know, Pastor Kimbrough was saying, you know, roll, he was talking about rolling up your sleeves and, like, really getting involved, right? And I just thought about that. Like, when we're out there and we're running dogs and it looks cool to – you know, be out, you got a dog and go left, dog and go right and stuff like that. Like when I always think about the process, you know, what are you, how are you rolling up your sleeves and, and really getting involved in your, you know, dog training? Like for me, it's about, you know, mental and physical awareness and, and just being conscious of, of all the consequences of my actions. You know, even the littlest thing, the smallest thing a dog will pick up on and, you know, it's interesting how smart they are, but how easily they can get confused with some of your actions. So it's just about being, you know, more present, you know, in your actions. Right. And learning your dog's tolerance. You know, that's what I mean. Rolling up your sleeves like. You know, are you really tinkering with this dog? Are you really like feeling this dog? Are you really, you know, learning the dog? Right. Like all, all everyone has a different tolerance. It got to a point where I was handling my dog one time. It felt like I was driving a car. It was kind of crazy. Um, and it was it was flawless. It was successful. It was probably about a few weeks ago, just out running them and, you know, doing a little bit of handling, but also, you know, not overhandling the dog. Let that dog find game and let that dog do work, you know. Um, and, and just really think about your nonverbals, man. You know, you reset, you recalibrate, you slow down, you do whatever you got to do. You shorten the distractions, you know, make it worth your while, make it worth the dog's while and eliminate any particular possibility of failure. You know, you don't want to see the dog fail. You want to correct him if you have to, but you want to correct him in a, in, a, in guiding him to success. But dogs hate failing. We hate seeing a dog fails and it's discouraging, man. Like, for me, like I said, man, I, I I always have a damn good day with my dog. Always. Every day. You know, next to my marriage. <laughs> I ain't going to have no bad time doing that. I'm damn sure not going to have a bad time, you know, out running my dog. Like, that dude there, if you do it right, man, that dog is going to do whatever he can to make you happy. You know, I'm a bit of an enabler with my dog, too. I'm surprised how how I haven't lost control at this point in time. But also, man, my last thing and I and, and I going back to shooting, you know, getting that new Beretta, you know, that was a big deal for me. But I think that just it's important to realize, like, if you're going to be a hunter, man, like you got a job, too, and you owe it to the dog to hit your birds straight up. You just owe it to the dog to hit your birds. You know, they want to retrieve. If you've done the work and, and that dog has been good and trained and he's quartering nicely and holding point or, you know, flushing birds or marking and seeing stuff dropping and retrieving and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's all great. But, you know, when birds fly and the dog's done the work, I personally feel like it's up to you to hit that bird. Don't miss. I mean, it's okay to miss, but you know, practice your shooting. It's important to get out there and just, you know, for me, I've made it a point to try to get out there a, a, a couple of times a month, if not more. Recently, it's been a little bit more. But, um, you know, really taking ownership of the shooting experience, whatever that means for you, whatever, you know, gauge or caliber, whatever, just own it and, and do it well, you know? We lose less game when you hit birds. You know, that's why we have the dogs, though, to retrieve any kind of game. But it's 
You know, the easiest type of game to find is the one that hit the ground and didn't move. So, you know, just just, just those are some of the things that I kind of think about, man. Like, I've got some big goals this season, and, and y'all will hear about it more, you know, later. So, you know, just some final thoughts and things like that. Man, practice is over. You know, the summertime is, is gone, and I hope y'all did all the work. I hope y'all did all the work, and I'm sure y'all did all the work. You know, y'all been tuning in to my podcast and listening to me, so I hope whatever it is that I say to y'all is is, is brought some kind of inv- insight or, you know, anything that Robin's had on, I hope that's been helping out or, you know, just, just I'm always grateful for the experience and, and having you guys tune in and interact. You know, that's definitely something important to me, man. So, you know, that's it, guys. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I have anything left. You know, of course, go check out the shirts in the Amazon store. And uh, that's about it. I appreciate y'all listening to, to another training episode of the Gundog Notebook with Robin Watson and of Tibia Gundogs. I appreciate everybody here. All right checking out guys and uh, y'all have a good week.